morning, Riverside. A new face on the pulpit. Uh, I just thank God for him using me this morning. I thank God that he would let Pastor Ezra see something in me that would allow me to share this pulpit this morning. And I praise God that the men of Riverside have gathered around me and saw something in me that would even allow me to humbly stand before you this morning. Uh, God is an awesome God. He is worthy of all of our praise, and you know for yourselves what he's done in your life, and I just give him all the glory this morning because I can look around, and I know the lives that he's touched, the people that he's helped, the people that he's cared for, and I'm just so glad to be here this day. I thank God for my wife who has stood by me through thick and thin, who in all of our trials has just continued to lift me up before the Lord, and God is just worthy of the praise this morning, and I just ask you right now that you would just keep me in your prayers as I deliver what thus saith the Lord this morning, and uh, just know that uh, this is my first time in front of Riverside, and obviously as I'm a little anxious about what God is going to do, but I'm trying to let him use me any way he can. Uh, so this morning, our text this morning is coming out of Ruth chapter 2, um, verses 17 through 23. Uh, but before we get there, you see, before we get there, it's hard. Uh, this is a tough series because it's all so interconnected. It's all so pieced together. It's one thread throughout the, throughout the whole book of Ruth. So it's hard to segregate it into just a few sections, a few verses. So just bear with me for a second as I take us back in time, take us back to the beginning, take us back to where this started in the book of Ruth. I, I just bear, for those that have been here every single week, uh, you know the story. For those that have studied the book of Ruth, you know the story. But there's somebody in here that may not understand how we get to this point on this day. So just bear with me as I take us back in time when there was a man called Emelech who decided 10 years ago that um, there's a famine in the promised land. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave God's promised land and I'm going to take my wife and my children and I'm going to go to a nation that has oppressed me. I'm going to go to a place where they're my enemy rather than stay in the promise that God had for me. So in that move, when he decided to take his family to Moab, uh, in that place that he found that he died there, and his sons died there. I can't say it was because of disobedience, but I know that he was not in the place that God had planted him. And in, in, that, in that journey... His two sons took on two wives, uh, two Moabite wives. Uh, Moabite wives were Jewish women. That was against the law. But they did it anyway, and they died. There were two women that joined themselves with Ruth, with Naomi at the time. And one was Ruth, and the other one was Orpah. And, and Naomi looked, and she said uh, in her distress, she said, You know what? I've heard in my hometown that God has continued to bless my people. They, I've heard that God has brought bread back to the house of Bethlehem. I've heard that there's something good going on in Bethlehem, so I'm going home. But daughters, you stay here. You stay here with your families. You stay here and be wives. You stay here and raise children. Go back to your gods. She pleaded her case to her daughters, and Orpah heard what she was saying, but they all wept. They really didn't want to separate, but Orpah decided that she would give in. She went back to her God. She went back to her family. She went back uh, to the place of Moab. But Ruth, Ruth stood her ground. Ruth, Ruth said, no, I will go where you go. 
Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And I will die where you die. With that compelling argument, Naomi had no choice but to say yes. Reluctantly, yes. But there is no hope in me. There is no hope for you. Do you know what you're signing up for when you say yes? They ventured back into Bethlehem, and there the women were, standing around, whispering. Isn't that Naomi coming in? I'm sure they were also saying, yeah, she's looking kind of beat up right now. I'm sure they were gossiping, saying, see what happens when you leave? I'm sure they weren't all kind things, but yet they were, hi, Naomi. Hi. And behind her back, I'm sure. But Naomi said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. The Lord has had his hand against me, and I feel bitter about it. My new name is Myra, not Peace, not Pleasant, not Naomi. Call me Myra. Naomi's spirit had been crushed. Her love of God has disappeared. She thought she was forsaken. She thought there was no one around her that loved her anymore, but her daughter-in-law, Ruth, stood by her side. And the story continues as Naomi and Ruth arrived at the right time in the right place because guess what? It was harvest time in the town of Bethlehem. It was a time of joy, a time of reaping, a time of gathering, a time of song. And so God had brought them back right on time. But Naomi's spirit was so down that she could not see what God was doing in her life. She was so broken, so crushed that she really couldn't appreciate what God was doing. But Ruth, Ruth could see what God was doing. Ruth could see that there was a purpose in coming back. Ruth said, you know what? I'm going to get up this morning, and I'm going to go glean, Naomi. I'm going to go glean, and I'm going to not care about what man thinks about me. I know I'm a foreigner in this place. I know that people are going to talk about me. I know that people are going to ridicule me. I know they won't welcome me, but that's okay. I'm going to go glean for you, Naomi. Naomi didn't say anything but... Go in peace. Not a thank you. Not a can I help you. Her spirit was so down, all she could say was sure. And as Ruth found herself gleaning, gleaning in the field, and the owner, an owner by the name of Boaz, Boaz steps into the picture of her life. He asks his foreman, who is this woman, this, this woman in my field that I've not seen before? And his foreman says, that's the Moabite that you've heard about. Boaz goes to her and he says, glean in my field. Glean amongst the sheaves, not just on the edges as the law requires, but glean amongst the sheaves. I find favor in you because I've heard about you. Ruth gets on her knees and bows down and says, why me? Why find favor in me? I don't deserve it. I am a foreigner. Why do you embrace me, Boaz? Because I heard what you did for your mother-in-law. I heard the sacrifice that you made for your mother-in-law. I heard that you left your family in Moab. I heard that you returned from your God to our God. I've heard this, and because of this, may the Lord bless you and richly reward you for what you've done. So now we find ourselves here today. 
in this section where Boaz has blessed her and said, glean amongst my field. My men will protect you. My servants will protect you. Stay with my maid servants. So we find ourselves now in the field. We find this chapter, this verse, 13, chapter 2, 17. And I have very small print here, so be with me. So she gleaned in the field until the evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And after her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. you should to <clears throat> she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth, the Moabite, said, besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you will go out with this young woman, lest another field you, you may be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So the question that I pose to you today is why should we glean for another? Why should we glean for another? Why should we put ourselves out for someone else who may not appreciate what we're doing for them, who may not understand uh, what we're doing for them, who may not even say thank you for what we're doing for them, who refuse to get out of self-pity? Why should we glean for that person? Why should we take our hard work and bring it back to them? Why should we sacrifice? We have talked about this hesed love that flows through Ruth. A Ruth that goes beyond agape. A love that goes beyond unconditional love. A love that goes beyond sacrifice. A love that is all-inclusive. And here we are. Ruth showing that love for someone who may or may not appreciate it. So we find ourselves in the story where Ruth comes home and she's toiled in the hot sun. She's worked in the field. She's picked up the grain. She's bundled it together and she's carried it all home on her own. I had to look up what an epaw was. I mean, by the time I got through, it was two bushels, it was 22 liters, it was uh, five gallons, and then it was eight quarts. And finally, I realized it was the size of a big dad bag of dog food. <laughs> but think about Ruth carrying that on her own, pulling that all together on her own. She had already found favor in Boaz's eyes. She had already, Boaz had already saw something special about her. She probably could have taken advantage of that relationship, but yet, in her own way, she worked hard. She put her own time into it. She invested her own self into it. She could have probably worked that relationship real good. You women know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but yet, she 
did it on her own. She worked it on our own. She put the time in. We know, we know in our spirits that if we want to glean for somebody else, we have to put the time in. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hot. It's going to be bothersome. It's going to take us out of our comfort zone, but we have to put the time in. Just like Ruth did. So when you think about it, though, think about God, how God blessed her with favor, blessed her with an abundance, blessed her with provision, because she was willing to step out of her comfort zone, willing to give for Ruth all that she had. You see, we glean for others because there's provision and favor in that. It's the favor of God that falls on us when we step out for somebody else. It's not easy when you step out for somebody else, especially when they don't appreciate it. It's not easy when you step out for somebody else, especially when there's no thank you. But recognize that God is doing something in your life and in their life as you press forward, as you persevere for that person. They may not even deserve it, but that's not our call. The abundance that overflows in the favor when we glean for somebody else. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. God said, when you're reaching out to other people, it's about them. It's not about you. At verse 19, reads, And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. You can see now, Naomi's starting to turn. You can see now, Naomi's starting to feel God's presence moving in her life. You can see now where she's starting to get excited. Matter of fact, what she's doing, she's getting redundant. Uh, where did you glean? Where did you work? It's the same question, but she's so excited about what God is doing that she doesn't care how she asks the question. She just knows something exciting is happening in her life. Right now, you can see God telling her that you're not forsaken. You see God telling her that I still love you. You can see God speaking into her spirit that there's something new coming your way. Blessed is the man that take notice of you. God begins to surface in Naomi's conversation. Before that, she was broken and forlorn and destitute and feeling depressed. But now you see the spirit start to rise in her. You can sense the joy starting to elevate in her. And it's because of what Ruth has done to position them to hear what God said to Naomi, which is, I'm still with you. I'm still with you. Her faith is being restored. Ruth said, his name is Boaz. Naomi said, may he be blessed by the Lord whose loving kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Boaz, her, her close relative, her redeemer, one that can buy back her home, one that can buy back her livestock, one, back, one that can restore and rescue her. Boaz, the one that can reestablish the lineage of her. Boaz, the one that can reposition her in the rightful place. 
Boaz, a redeemer in the likeness and a foreshadow of the Christ to come. Boaz that is there for her as her redeemer, her gatherer. One that would craft you, draft you, craft you into the vine. She thought God had forsaken her. She felt like God had abandoned her. Her husbands and her sons, dead. God, where are you? But God has reminded her that she belongs to him. He's reminded her that he would never leave her nor forsake her. That love is, his love is unconditional. For Naomi, hope is being restored. For Naomi, faith is being restored. How and why does this happen? It's because of the Hesed love of Ruth. Love that would leave their family for another. Love that would leave their home for another. Love that would leave their God for another. Love that would glean for those that can't glean for themselves. That's how Naomi is rising up from the ashes. Sometimes we may have to work in the heat of the day until the bitterness of one's heart is melted away. The question is, will you glean for those that can't glean? Will you persevere for those that may not appreciate you uh, and may not ever give you a thank you? Will you be the one that will put your needs aside and glean for God? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Somebody next to you may need you to glean for them. All the smiling faces in the pews are not what they seem to be. I'll sacrifice for you until you feel the touch of God. I'll glean for you until the Spirit of God moves in you. Do we have a few roofs here at Riverside? Do we have the Spirit of Ruth here at Riverside? Is there somebody that God is pointing you to, to reach out to, to walk with, to lift up until they can walk by themselves? People are hurting. People are going through desert places. Uh, maybe you yourselves find yourself walking in Naomi's shoes today. Maybe you're considering changing your name to Myra. Uh, maybe you're feeling hopeless. Maybe you're feeling alone. Recognize that God is with you. Naomi is a testimony as to what God can do. Maybe you're fighting health issues. Maybe you're fighting against drug and alcohol. Maybe your children are in trouble. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Maybe your finances are in trouble. But rest assured that, brothers and sisters, there's God in the midst of what's going on in your desert place. He's working out a plan for you. Take heed. Look at Naomi. God is restoring her. He's restoring her from dry places with living water, the living water of Christ. Naomi's joy was restored when she found her Redeemer in the likeness of Christ in the name of Boaz. You who have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, your Redeemer, you have Jesus to lean on when you find yourself in that desert place. You have been bought by the price of, and the blood of the Lamb. Because of that, you are now adopted sons and daughters of God. Because now you can walk in victory, not in defeat. Because you are a child of the Most High God. Oh, you walk by faith and not by sight. Don't let the enemy deceive you by what's going on in your life because God has a plan for you. Because of that, you know, because you have the Redeemer, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. That is the word of God. It may raise up. It may show its ugly head. But you can still persevere. It gets thirsty in the desert. 
But only the living water can quench that thirst. Don't get distracted by the mirages in your life. A dry, empty promise of false fulfillment. When you feel the heat and you see something that might give you thirst. Don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that that's the answer. There's another answer, and that name is Jesus. Be encouraged. God said he would never leave you nor forsake you, and God is not a man that he would lie. I would just like to lift up the last portion of this text, verse 21 to 23. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with the young women, lest, any, <clears throat> lest in any other field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of, women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. I asked the question, why should you glean for another? There is protection, you see. There is protection in the gleaning for another. When God plants you someplace, when God positions you someplace, when God puts you in his field, he covers you with his wings. He hides you in his shadow. It's when we get out of position, when we find ourselves in the wrong field, in the wrong place at the wrong time, we don't understand why God's not blessing that. Naomi, through her own personal journey, understood what it meant to stay in the place where God planted you. So she advised her daughter, listen to what Boaz is saying. Listen to what that man, your redeemer, is saying. Listen to him say, stay where you're planted. Stay where you're covered. Stay where you're protected. We know once we move outside of where God has planted us, that we're outside of his protection. We glean in a place for another where we find protection from God. Some of us this morning may not understand what it means to have that protection. Somebody this morning may not understand what it means to have Christ as their savior. Somebody this morning may not understand how to come out of that desert place that Naomi found herself in. But we know through this scripture that the love of God is all throughout our lives, that he has planned it, he has positioned you, and he is now working a new thing in you. For those that don't understand who Christ is, this is the day that God has said, you can accept Christ as your savior. You can come before him now and say, God, I yield to you because I don't know how to move in this place that you've placed me. I need to come out of the desert. I need to be repositioned in you, God. The story of Ruth, a love story, a story of Hesed love. And today, the question is, will you glean for another? Will you glean for another? May God bless his holy word. May God smile upon you. Let me ask the band to come up. And uh, we'll let the band play us out as I pray. Let us close our eyes and bow our heads. (laughs) 
Lord God, just bow your heads, close your eyes. We just come before you right now, Lord, and just uh, we yield our hearts to you, God. Uh, we, we don't know, God, um, what we need to do to get out of our situation, Lord, but we give it all to you right now, God. We just, uh, there's hearts right now, God, that are calling out to you, Lord. Um, there's people right now that are in a desert place, Lord, people that are walking in Naomi's shoes, God. I just ask you, Lord, that you would just raise up a spirit of Ruth in Riverside, oh God, a spirit of Ruth that would be unconditional love, a spirit of Ruth that would be unselfish love, a spirit of Ruth, God, that would just overtake this place, oh God, because hearts are hurting, God, and we need them right now, God. We need you to step in, Lord. If there's one, if there's one on this day that does not know and understand the love of Christ, if there's one on this day that has not yielded unto God, who has not given him soul completely over to God, if there's one on this day who the Holy Spirit continues to draw on, now is the day like no other day for you to say yes to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, I want you to be my Lord. Yes, I believe that you were raised from the dead. Yes, I want you to take control of my situation. Is there one on this day that would yield to God? Is there one on this day that would raise their hand and say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, I yield to you on this day. If there's one, let them raise their hand and let them know, God, that God loves them unconditionally. Let them know, God, that you're bringing them through the desert. Let them know, God, that there's a roof that's surrounding them. God, I thank you right now. Have your way in our souls, God. Use us for your glory as we yield our hearts unto you. Have your way, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.